Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. Chapter 1, starting in verse 1, I love that Luke writes this. Um, I think it's a good setup for the Christmas story to make sure that you and I don't think it's a fairy tale. Because he says, Inasmuch as many have um, undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order. Most excellent Theophilus, and we don't have time to break down all the different, uh, what theologians believe about Theophilus, who he's um, talking to and talking about. But verse four, so that you may know the exact truth about the things that you have been taught. I love that we have some historicity to this thing that Luke is like, hey, I'm gonna, I have carefully investigated this. I have taken all the steps necessary to make sure what I'm about to give you is accurate and that it is the truth. So I just want you to know over the next few moments, we're going to read truth together, amen? So starting in verse five, this is the birth of John the Baptist foretold. I'm gonna read really fast today because I have a lot to read, okay? Verse five, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias, or you can pronounce it Zechariah, of the division of Abijah. And he and his wife uh, are... He had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now, it's important to know that she was um, from the daughters of Aaron because Aaron was a high priest, okay? They were both religious in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. They had no child. Everybody say no child. Because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Verse 8, now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by Lot. Lot basically is the idea of, in a sense, rolling a dice. And you would have these priests, and there were all these different duties that they would have to do in the temple, and they would basically roll the die, if you will. They would cast the lot, and whoever it fell to, they would kind of divvy it up that way. Hey, today, you're going to burn the incense. Hey, today, you're going to change out the showbread table. Hey, today, you're going to change out the water in the, in the basins. And so Zechariah, he's a part of the, the, the priestly group, and he's getting his job, okay? And it says he's He's cast a lot, and it says that he is ordered to, to enter the temple and burn incense. It says, and the whole multitude of people were in prayer outside at the hour of incense. Now, it's important to know that at the hour of incense, that would happen two times a day. The priest would walk in, whoever had that priestly duty for the day. They would walk in, they would burn the incense. While they burned the incense, there would be people outside, and those people would be praying. The whole time it would be burning, they would be praying. Once it was done burning, he would step outside, he would close everyone in prayer. They would do that twice a day. And so Zechariah is, is doing this job on this day. And I want you to see what happens. Verse 10, uh, the whole multitude were in prayer um, at that hour. Verse 11, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, I know we could just skate by that. I know that we just read the Christmas story and we're just like, an angel of the Lord appeared to Mary. And I know everybody is just so normal for an angel to show up. I know that everybody's going to gather around at some nativity scene. You're going to do some drive through Christmas light. You're going to go to some things to be like, and an angel appeared. And ain't nobody going, what? <laughs> Are you an angel? Are you serious? That is, it's incredible. Young people are like, that's so dope. Or, I, I want to see an angel. But no, it's like an angel appeared. 
An angel showed up. An angel from heaven showed up in front of a person. This happened. We've got multiple historical accounts. This isn't made up. It's not a fairy tale. Zechariah is just in the temple of the Lord. And mind you, and I'll unpack a little bit more of this in a second, Zechariah is living in a time that for the past 400 years, God has not spoken to the children of Israel. The last time God spoke was through the prophet Malachi. And after that speaking, for 400 years, God goes silent on his people. I need you to understand that Zechariah is one of the ones that's like, even though God hasn't spoken in 400 years, we're just going to keep on doing the same thing. I don't have time to preach you a message that some of you are like, I'm not hearing God, and I just want to back out of church, and I just want to step away. Even when you're not hearing him, you just do the last thing he told you, and you keep on doing it. And if you'll keep on doing, even when you don't feel like you're hearing, he's going to show up. And so Zechariah just goes about doing the priestly duties. He walks into the temple and an angel shows up. 400 years later, God has been silent in the earth. And God shows up to a guy who's just doing the next right thing. Y'all thought that came from Frozen. There's a half the room and they're like, oh. Verse 12, Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, which goes to tell us that Elizabeth and Zechariah had been praying for a child. Yes? Isn't it interesting that an angel shows up and says, your prayer has been heard. Now, we also were just told that Zechariah and Elizabeth were very old in age. So we don't know how long they've been praying. And there's another scripture, actually, go read... um, Uh, the first day of our 40-day finish, there's a passage that talks about the first time you pray, God hears. But many of us think when we pray, we should get it. But that's not how God works because God's timeline is not your timeline. And you don't ever need to ask God to work on your timeline because your timeline is finite. God's timeline is infinite. You need to get yourself on his timeline. And what happens here is we're seeing an angel say, hey, When you and your wife started praying potentially four or five decades ago, we heard it. Heaven heard it. We've been talking about it. You thought that God had forgotten you, but he was waiting for just the right time. Look at someone and say, just the right time. The book of Romans tells us that at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Not at our time, at God's time. At just the right time. And so he tells Zechariah this. Verse 14, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine or liquor and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. Verse 16, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God, which would go and tell us that for the past 400 years, there's been some people who have turned their back on their God. Verse 17, it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. Is anybody ready to be made ready? That is God's heart at Christmas. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? Now I need you to remember this question. This question is paramount to where I believe God's taking us this morning because his question, though could sound innocent, it's rooted in doubt. He says, how will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Now I need you to know that Zechariah's question, while it might sound innocent, it's not. He's doing priestly duties. He knows the stories of old. 
He's memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. He's memorized them. He knows that God has given barren people children. He knows this. So his question is not maybe an innocent one of like, man, what way is God going to do this? It's doubt of if God ever will. If God has waited this long, are you sure that God's going to actually make this happen? It's not a doubt of could it happen because he knows there are testimonies and stories in the faith of old that God does this. He gives barren people in old age, Abraham and Sarah, anybody? In old age, he gives them children. Zechariah would know this, yet he doubts. And I want you to see what happens when you doubt. Zechariah, how will I know this for certain? For old in age, the angel of the Lord said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. Now, I need you to know, this is not like, well, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the, Gabriel's getting a little gangster on the man right now. He's like, bro, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. What do you mean, how will we know this for certain? I've heard it from his mouth, and I've come here to tell you. He says, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, look at what the angel tells Zechariah. Because Zechariah asked in doubt, and behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place. Because you did not, say it with me. Come on, you did not what? Believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. I need you to see that Christmas, one of the, one of the underlying principles of Christmas is that there is a proper time, and the proper time is his time, not your time. The proper time is his time, not your time. And if we don't get ourselves in this place of faith of God, you've got the proper time. And proper time is sometimes waiting. Proper time is also sometimes, God, why are you giving this to me right now? We were one month out from launching the church. We were gonna launch January 23rd. We couldn't find a building. We found out we were pregnant like December 19th or something like that, I don't remember. And then we get back after Christmas. It was January 3rd or something like that. We go to the doctor like, oh yeah, you got twins. God, what are you doing? There ain't no way this is the proper time. No way. God, well, you just took us from one kid to four kids in 18 months and asked us to give up everything and move to a city we don't know nobody to launch a church. Not the proper time on my timeline, but I stand before a room today, and this room will be full again today, because God said, at the proper time. At the proper time. Here's what I need you to understand, is that for Zechariah doing this priestly duty, many theologians would say this specific thing that he was doing, this burning of incense, because there were so many priests, and they would roll the dice, that it's potentially the only time in his entire lifetime as a priest that he would get to do this job. That's how many were waiting in line to go do one of these things. I just find it interesting that this whole story is tethered with this idea of like waiting. Even the big picture of 400 years, the people of Israel, they're just waiting on God to speak. But God's about to speak a better word. God's about to speak a word that's different. While he's just given them prophets to speak the word of God, he's about to birth the word, which is Jesus. He is the word made flesh. But he was gonna do it at the proper time. And it's very important that Zechariah has this angel appear to him because the son that him and his wife are going to have is going to be the forerunner. He's gonna be the one to prepare the way for the king to be born. But I want you to see that when he asked, it was rooted in doubt because, write this down, Zechariah's doubt prohibited him from speaking in faith 
in the season where he would need it to wait on God's promise. In other words, I'll say it this way. For those of you who are trying to take notes, you're like, wait, say that again. I'll say it this way. When Zechariah asked the question rooted in doubt, his mouth was silenced because doubt will silence your faith. And when doubt silenced his faith, it kept him unable to speak faith in the season he would need it the most. Because at this point, now people would end up maybe hearing his wife say, I'm pregnant. And they would begin to ridicule. You're not pregnant. You're too old. Not going to happen. And they would just have to wait for people to go like, okay, yeah, that ain't milk and cookies. Yeah, there's something there. Yeah, I believe you now. They would have to wait. What, what I need you to see is that it positioned Zechariah in a place where he could have continued to build his faith because faith comes by, anybody know the scripture? Hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Therefore, the greatest way you could build your faith, sure, you could come to church, you could listen to Pastor John preach, you could listen to all the podcasts you want to listen to, you could listen to all the worship songs you want to listen to. Do you want to know the greatest way to build your faith? It's when you hear you say the word of God. It's when you begin to declare the word of God over your life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, and you should hear it from others, but if you only hear it from others and you never hear it from you, I can probably find the root of your issue is because you don't hear you say the word of God. When Zechariah doubted, he lost the ability to be able to hear himself speak the word of God. And it, what's awesome is you look at the end of the story, he doesn't lose hope, but he lost an opportunity. And maybe you're here today, maybe you've been someone who's questioned God, you've doubted that God would make it happen, you've prayed for years for that child, and they have not come to the Lord. You've prayed for years for your spouse. You've asked God to take that addiction from you over and over and over again, and you feel like it's just not happening. You've asked God to provide, and you feel like every job is a dead end. And it could be easy to get yourself in the place of Zechariah and to start asking in doubt, but I, I just would warn you today, doubt is the very thing that will silence the voice of faith. And it happened to Zechariah, but we still serve a good God, amen? All right, I'm gonna jump with you. We're gonna keep going. Luke 1, starting in 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who has, uh, was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the Lord's servant. Some versions say bond slave. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, I need you to see when I look at this scripture, I'm seeing uh, at face value, Mary did the same thing. Angel shows up, says, You're favored. She's like, What? What is happening? What is going on? Notice every time these angels are showing up, do not be afraid. 
I know your grandma got the fat naked baby angel sitting on the shelf. I'm just saying. I mean, maybe that is a little scary. But these angels, Genesis says he put a 13-foot angel with a sword. And for, I just don't think angels showing up like, hi, how are you? I mean, that could be creepy. But I think that they're, they're dangerous. They do God's bidding. That's why Gabriel was kind of like, I stand in the presence of God and I get words from his mouth, son. I know what I'm saying. Zechariah, don't doubt this. Because you doubting this word won't affect me. It'll affect you. Know that when you doubt God, Maybe you're in this room today and you're like, I, I struggle to believe in the whole concept of God. That is fine. He is not offended and he doesn't budge a millimeter because he's set and secure. Your faith in God does not establish him. Your faith in God establishes you. And so this angel shows up and here Mary is getting this word. But when I look at it at face value, she questioned too. I mean, look what she said. An angel says all of this, and she, um, and she says in verse 34, how can this be since I am a virgin? Now, on face value, I'm like, oh, Mary about to get her lip zip. She about to shut up too. Shouldn't ask him a question. Dang it. You should have you read the first part of the chapter, Mary. What are you doing? But you read it, and Mary's mouth doesn't get shut. And I don't have any jokes about that with the fact that she's a woman and it's impossible. I don't have anything like that. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Sorry, preacher jokes show up sometimes. I'm sorry. And, and let's be honest. I say that in this room and my wife is going, John, you say 12,000 more words than me. And she's right. I know like, there's like the, the statistic of how many more words a woman says than a man. It's just not true in our relationship. Um, but... So I, I just remember, as I saw that, as I'm studying the word, I'm like, okay, God, I need you to show me why she doesn't get her mouth closed, but Zachariah does. Like, the Bible says you rule with justice and fairness. I'm trying to figure this out, God. And the reason is, is because if I go back to tell you again that Zechariah knew that God could give barren people children. It had happened before. The testimony is there. It is secure, and he can see it. Mary did not ask a question in doubt. Mary asked a question in curiosity. Because I can't find you a scripture in all of the Old Testament where God gave a virgin a child. And she was still a virgin, had not yet been with a man. It had not happened. And so Mary's question, she would have known the stories. She was raised hearing these same stories. And she grew up asking, she, because of how she grew up, she asked this question out of curiosity, not out of doubt. I want you to see that Mary's belief was tied to a blessing. Because I love the fact that her answer is, behold, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. If you want to know what kind of posture will build your faith when you're in the season where you've just been asking, you've been asking, you've been asking, and it's not happening, and it's not happening, and it's not happening, and then God shows up and says, I'm going to do this, and then you're like, whoa, hold up, that makes me a little uncomfortable. The response has to be, even if you're like, how's this going to happen? How's this going to affect our life? How's this going to affect our finance? God, this is crazy. The response must be, if you want the belief to be tied to a blessing, it has to be, I'm your servant. May it be as you have said. God, I am your servant. May it be as you have said. And that was Mary's response. Belief is always tied to blessing. 
you're taking notes, you should write it down. Your belief is always tied to blessing. But the problem is this. Blessing doesn't always show up immediately after believing. If you look at Mary, theologians would say between 14 and 16 years old, a virgin, she's betrothed to a man, therefore all the legal responsibilities of being committed to a man are there, but they have not yet been together. He's preparing a place for her. And if I had time to preach another sermon at Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you and we're the bride and he's the groom. And that's because in that culture, when families would come and they would agree, a man and a woman would get married. The man would look at the woman and say, hey, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, but I don't know when I can come marry you. My father's going to tell me when it's time. And then I, types and shadows, if you see it, I'll preach it a different day. But we have to understand that in this moment Mary believes, but blessing doesn't immediately follow. What actually happens is her betrothed husband wants to divorce her quietly. She's probably ridiculed once she starts showing and yet is still telling people, I'm a virgin. Okay. <laughs> Mary, I know you're trying to like make sure your parents aren't embarrassed, but come on, sweetie. Like, you're... You, you eight months pregnant. You ain't been with nobody. Like, seriously. We have, to, we have to look at this. I don't know if you've ever felt judged in a community, but this is what she, she believed. But blessing isn't what she experienced right after. Ridicule, difficulty. But every belief is tied to a blessing. And what I love about Mary is she chose to believe the first time. Look at someone and say the first time. I have a two-year-old, his name's Canyon, and Canyon, y'all just pray, just pray for him, and he's a, you know, he, he's a, he's a kingdom man, but um, he struggles with the flesh, he does, he puts sisters in headlocks, um, he, yesterday, while babies were on my watch, so it's my fault, gave a one-year-old baby sister a hot pink permanent marker. It was on pillows. It was on her face. I was on my phone. I'll confess. I was on my phone. I was. But Canyon's just, he's learning, right? A lot of people say terrible twos. We don't say that in our house because we speak a better word. We call them teachable twos, okay? But he still sometimes struggles with the terrible part, right? That's the flesh. Something we say that I have to do for Canyon is I have to get down in his face, and when he's done something, I say, Canyon, you can't do that again. Or when I try to, like, get on the front end of, like, I look at the situation, I'm like, okay, there's about 900 bad things that could happen here. I try to get down and say, Canyon, look at me. Do not climb on the table. Do not headlock your sister. Do not color unless mommy and daddy give you a crayon. Do not. And then he, I know he feels like, I can't do nothing. And I, Canyon, what do we do? And he'll go, Listen the first time. And that's kind of the thing we say is, listen the first time. Now, he's listening like third or fourth time, but we're getting there, right? We're moving up the ranks. Listen the first time. And as I was reading this story, it was actually, I had my computer in my lap, and Canyon did something he shouldn't have. I said, Canyon, what do we do? And he said, listen the first time. Dropped his head. But I was looking at Mary, and I was like, she believed the first time. She believed the first time. Like, she, she could have doubted. Like, this is, this is crazy. An angel shows up to a teenage girl and says, you're going to get pregnant and you're not going to be with anybody and it's going to be the son of God? 
She's like, I don't even know if I'm ready to be married, much less pregnant and with your son, God. Like, what kind of pressure does that give me? She believed the first time. What was the difference between Zechariah and Mary? They both got angels. They both got words from God. One doubted. One believed. And what was the difference? Did the one who doubt get no blessing? No, he got the blessing. What happened? There was a season of silence. And can I show you? I want to show you the big picture. For 400 years, God has not spoken to humanity. If you'll catch this next statement, there's a revelation for you and I to fight doubt on all fronts. For 400 years, God has not spoken to humanity. And the first person that he sends a word to, God was silent. Why? The reason God was silent is because the children of Israel doubted and stopped following in God's ways. One of the last prophetic words he gave through Malachi was one of my favorite verses in the Bible, is when God tells the priests, because they're sacrificing not perfect sacrifices, he said, I'm going to take the doo-doo from these animals and spread it in your faces. That's literally one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I just think it's awesome. God literally says it in Malachi. He says, you guys are sacrificing lambs who are missing eyes and lambs without one leg, thinking that I won't notice. And God says, I'll literally take the feces of these animals and I'll spread it in your face if you don't give me what's perfect. Because God knew in 400 years, I'm about to give you the most perfect thing that you'll ever experience. And so God goes silent because people are doubting that God is who he says he is. The first person that God shows up to and speaks to doubts. And what happens? The silence from God becomes the silence of man. The doubt of people put God quiet for a season until the proper time. But when God showed up, his word and someone doubted, it silenced them. So, so what does this mean for us? It means that in this room, there are some of you who are struggling to believe. And it also means in this room, there's some of you who are still believing, but you're not seeing the blessing. And so what, where does that leave both parties? Well, I'm glad you asked. Luke 1 in verse 39, now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah. I'd love to preach a message one day called Hurry to the Hill because the hill is called Judah and Judah means praise. And sometimes when you're believing and you haven't experienced a blessing, the thing that you need to do is hurry to the hill and start praising. But I don't have time to preach that message today. Verse 40, and he entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how it has happened, how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. So when Mary walked in, Mary has Jesus in her belly. Elizabeth has John in her belly. When Mary speaks, John jumps for joy. And it is literally a, a prophetic implication that the one who is going to be the forerunner and prepare the way recognizes that the king is in the room. In verse 45, and blessed is she, who she, Mary, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Now at the time, verse 57, now at the time um, had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to her son. And I'm going to jump down to verse 61, um, and they're, they're asking about the names that they'll, they'll, call, um, they'll call the baby, and 
in actually verse 60, Elizabeth said his name is going to be John 61. And they said to her, there is no one among your relatives called by that name. And so they made signs to his father. Because remember, Zechariah for the past nine months, bro can't speak. Man, what an interesting marriage dynamic, all of that. Um, I can imagine Elizabeth getting kind of frustrated and being like, seriously, God? That he don't even talk that much already. You're going to silence him for the next nine months? Verse 62, and they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him to be called. And they asked for a tablet, and he wrote as follows. His name is John. They were all astonished. And at once his mouth was open and his tongue was loose, and he began to speak and praise God. So I want you to see that what was the difference? Did, did, did Zachariah not get the blessing? He got the blessing, his son John. Did Mary get a blessing? She got the blessing, her son Jesus. They both got a word from God, and they both ended up getting the blessing. One of them didn't get the blessing or only got the blessing after a season of silence, don't know the thoughts he was in, the difficulty he was in, but Mary received the blessing all the while, being able to sit with, you know, Elizabeth and being able to keep each other encouraged. This is what I need you to see. There's spiritual implications that when God has given you something in your heart to carry and God has given someone else something to carry and that you've got your faith joined together, you can stir one another up. Zechariah wouldn't have had this opportunity in this moment, but God is faithful. And so in this moment, he says his name is John. His voice now comes back, praise God. And then I want you to see, this is what I want to close with, because I want you to see that, that if you're in here today and you're doubting, you're struggling to believe God for something, you can believe again. You can believe again. I want you to know that the Bible, in the book of James, it says that we do not have to be, we don't have to doubt and be tossed back and forth like the waves of the sea, that when you ask, believe, believe. And, and that's what everything in the kingdom is rooted on. Jesus said, nothing is impossible for those who believe. I know it sounds so simple, but the simplicity of believing is that when you start believing, that you're believing all throughout while you're waiting for the blessing. It sounds easy, but it's not easy to keep believing when you're not seeing anything you're believing. But when you know that God's put something on the inside, for Mary to go, look, nobody has to believe me that I ain't been with nobody. But what I know is that I got a baby on the inside. When people for the first month are doubting her and she's maybe not feeling anything and nothing's really changing, but the moment maybe it's a few months in and there's some baby kicks. Look, some people might be doubting me, but I know that God's put something on the inside of me. And I might not fully see it yet, but I know it's there. And so I'm believing before I see the blessing. And so Zechariah and Mary both end up getting their blessing. And I want you to know in Luke 1, they both write a song. And it's interesting that if you look at the very beginning of their song, they didn't sit down and have a worship writing session together. They both write almost the same thing. And I believe the reason they write the same thing is because they were people who began to believe. I promise you that Zechariah probably didn't have any problem believing after his mouth stopped working. Oh God, how could this happen? Are you really an angel? I was not. Could you imagine, I mean, for days, like I could imagine him going to bed and be like, this is all a bad dream. In the morning, I'm going to wake up. He wakes up. I mean, this is, he gets to a point where he's like, I've just got to believe this. And I want you to see that for Zachariah, if he could have just gone on saying the right things, he would have struggled to believe the right way. And here's why I say that. There's a lot of church people 
who are really good at coming to church and you know the right answers and you know the right things to say. But if God shut you up long enough for you to start believing the right way, it would then change what you say. I'll never forget the season when the Lord ripped us out of, ripped us out of ministry and I began to paint houses. And it was the most bizarre season. My first painting assignment when I got hired by this company was to go to a church. And I'm painting the, the, the baseboards at this church, and the youth pastor walks by me. I've been a youth pastor, Sean and I, for the past, like, four years at that point. He was dressed in a very just, like, picturesque youth pastor attire for that season. Um, I don't know. There's just seasons to this thing. It's weird. Um, but I remember looking at him being like, I got those shoes, those pants, and that shirt. But right now, I'm wearing a cutoff shirt with paint all over it and cargo shorts that are, like, four size too big for my skinny legs. And I just remember looking and thinking to myself, bro, I'm you. You know, he didn't look at me. He didn't have any reason to look at me, I guess. I mean, I guess he could have been like Jesus and said hi, but he didn't. <laughs> but can I tell you that I remember in that, like, superficial, like, bro, I, I'm you. The Lord told me, he said, no, you're not. You're my son. And if you can't rip apart preaching or painting to just sitting and being my son, it's not time to preach because you need to know that you're mine. And I need you to see that for Zechariah to be silenced for nine months, he was going to get to know God. And so the blessing is here, Mary's song, Luke chapter 1, 46. And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has, re he has regard for the humble state of his servant. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear him. In Zechariah's song, Luke 1, verse 67. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. I want to read you the first line of Mary's song again. And my soul exalts the Lord. There's a praising of God. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Verse 48, for he has regard means God's attention, God is visiting, God is showing up to the humble state of his servant, Zechariah's first line. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. There's a praise, there's a blessing, for he has visited or he has regard, he has accomplished redemption for his people. Both people, the doubter and the believer, get to a place of unpraising God because he's shown up. Guess what? He showed up to the doubter. And I don't know if God was surprised by Zechariah's doubt, but God will surely accomplish that which he sets forth. And I want you to notice he doesn't accomplish it through the doubter. He accomplished it through the one who was a doubter, who became a believer. That is the message of Christmas. Jesus, the hope of humanity, being presented to a world of people who don't believe. For Zechariah to get a word from God 400 years after silence from God. And that the Lord would say, there's a group of people who are hopeless. There's a group of people who are doubting. There's a group of people who have walked away. 
There are people who are barren in life, but hope is bursting forth. And what's interesting is what Luke says about John at the end of of that moment where Zechariah writes his song. The last verse of that, it says this in verse 80. And the child, meaning John, continued to grow and become strong in spirit. And he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Church, don't miss it. He grew in strength and spirit. Do you want to know what it looks like to stay on the voyage of following Jesus? You're going to have to grow in strength and spirit. But, but can, I, can I just tie all of it? for you, that that God is weaving the story of his timeline because he has the proper time. I love that after all this goes on and, and, and Zechariah exalts the Lord and says he's visited his people. So God, you've made it happen. The blessing's here. And God says, yeah, but actually Jesus has to get to age 30 (laughs) before the ministry begins. Not until Jesus is 30 years old will I let the kingdom be preached. So now I've given you a blessing, and once your son is old enough, he's going to leave you, and he's going to go live in in a wilderness and wear animal fur and have locusts and honey for every meal until the proper time. You serve a God of proper time. You will never get to a season where there won't be another proper time. You'll never get to a place where God says, okay, this is all of it. There's nothing else new. You don't have to wait on the Lord anymore. You don't have to renew your strength anymore. No, no, no. For Zechariah, nine months of silence, he gets his son, holds his baby. Oh, I'm so excited. We have our blessing. His son grows up, and by the time he's a small boy, dad, I got to go because the Lord needs me to live out in the desert until the proper time of my public appearing when I'm going to be the forerunner. I'm going to be the trailblazer. I'm going to be the one. And and dad, I know it would be awesome to do it now, but just like God couldn't give me to you five decades ago, it has to happen at the proper time. He's a God of proper time. And there are many of you right now that you need to know that 40 years from now, if Jesus is still tarrying and he hasn't come back, there is going to be something he's going to ask you to wait on and ask you to trust him for. And I would love to say if you'll just deal with all your past wounds and your trauma and you'll get healing from your addictions and then you get right with the Lord, then it just gets to be hunky-dory and butterflies and rainbows and everything's all good. But that's not the reality. The reality is, is there is a constant seat of waiting And the reason is, is because those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. And God knows that you'll never get to a place of perfect strength, so he'll have to put you in the seat of waiting so that he can renew you. You're going to need to be renewed again. This story tells us, as John continued to grow and become strong in spirit, I prophesy over this room that we are people who will continue to grow and become strong in spirit, will believe and not doubt, and will believe even when we don't see the blessing because we are the people who prepare the way for Christ. It's not, it wasn't just John because you and I have a preparing the way that has to be done. I'd love for you to just tell a person at Publix about Jesus one time and they give their life to Christ. It can happen. 
and it does happen. But then there's some times where you're going to have to be willing to do some of that work in relationship and build relationship and prepare the way. And how does that happen? We believe. And so maybe you're like Mary today. Maybe you're like, I'm believing, and I don't want to give up. I'm going to keep believing for my, for my child, for, my, for my, my mom and dad. I was talking with a lady the other day, has a family member passing away in old age, and they still don't believe yet. So someone is on their deathbed, and there's a child still praying. There's still time. There's still time. We stand to your feet all over the room. If you are in here today and you've been believing God for something and you feel like doubt's been trying to creep in, now's the time to keep believing. Maybe you feel like God's asking something of you and you're like, I don't know how to respond. Believe the first time. But if you're in here today and maybe you find yourself like Zachariah, you're like, man, I feel like I haven't really been able to talk about God. I don't feel like I've been able to pray because I've been doubting God. I want you to see that the doubting created a silence but you can begin to believe again. You can begin to believe again. And so this morning, I don't know what seat you find yourself sitting in, but I'm gonna pray and open the altars for a few moments. And man, if you're just like, I've been doubting, man, I'd encourage you to take the step in the presence of God and just tell him, God, I'm believing again. Jesus said, keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. He says, and you'll find the door will be opened. It's those two words right there. The keep on. The spirit of God inside of a believer is a keep on kind of spirit. And it's what he requires of those who prepare the way. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in this room today and you've never believed in or put your faith in the Christ, the one that this whole idea of Christmas is actually about. If that's you today, I want you to know today's the day of salvation. The Bible says that you repent and believe, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. If you do that today, that is believing the first time. And so if that's you today, maybe you're in here and you're like, I just want to believe for the first time. Will you lift your hand in this room today? I'd love to pray for you. If you're just like, I want to believe for the first time. I want to put my faith. I don't want to be a person who lives in doubt. Amen. And so you do that right where you're at. We could do some big church thing and, you know, count numbers and have you fill out cards and all the, look, you can go fill out a card down the hallway if you want to build community. But if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, you can do it right where you are. He hears your prayer. And if you need to renew your strength in believing today, do that. If you have been doubting and you need to believe again today, today is the day. So Father, I thank you that you're releasing the gift of faith in the room right now, Lord. Your word says, God, that one of the spiritual gifts is faith. And God, that you ask us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And so, Lord, I ask that there would be a desire for the gift of faith in the room. God, that faith would increase. God, that we would continue to believe that which we're believing for. God, you know every situation. God, you know every brokenness. You know every addiction. You know every doubt. You know every fear. You know every anxious thought. And so, Lord, in this moment, I love that in 
in your omniscience, in your complete power, God, that you're engaging with every person in the room by your spirit right now. God, you're ministering to them. God, you're stirring up their faith because, God, we want to continue to believe. Because, God, we won't be people who doubt. We're not turned to the right or to the left, but we're believing. Eyes locked on you. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.